So today is the start of a new message series called The New Supernatural Normal. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to walk through the book of Acts, which was written by a guy named Luke, a good, strong name. He was a physician who set out to write down the facts concerning Jesus and the people who followed him in the first century. So he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which is one of the four accounts of the life of Jesus. And he wrote the book of Acts, which is the account of the early church after Jesus had left the building. The book of Acts is an action-packed book that gives us a look at what the church and what you and I can accomplish when we choose to follow Jesus and be led by the Holy Spirit. I like the series title, but to call this series new is a bit of a stretch. In fact, we started preaching through the book of Acts last February. We made it all, to way, all the way to chapter 6 in March before we shifted gears to a different series because of the growing pandemic at the time. Which means today, instead of starting in chapter 1 of Acts, we're actually going to start at chapter 6 to 8. But first, before we get there, let's quickly review those first few chapters. Let's get caught up. The start of Acts is a period of thriving for the early church. Jesus had left his followers with clear instructions. Go and tell the world about me. And this ragtag group of men and women had passion, but they weren't the most educated or trained people out there. They needed some help. And so Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower them to do the things he asked them to do. And the Holy Spirit made these folks an overnight success. In one day of Holy Spirit power, their preaching and loving their neighbors led 3,000 people to make the decision to follow Jesus. They began giving sight to the blind and healing the sick. The hungry were being fed, the widows were being comforted, and the orphan adopted. In fact, Luke records one skeptical onlooker as being astonished that these were just ordinary men were able to do so much. And the things were moving and shaking, and the church was growing, but then chapter 6 hits, and a man named Stephen enters the story. Now, Stephen was one of the good guys. Luke tells us that he was full of grace and power and that he had a face like an angel. I'm not really sure what that means, but Luke thought it was important for us to know. Stephen found himself in an argument with some powerful people, and they objected to his following Jesus. They felt that Stephen was a danger to the way they had done things for thousands of years, and they felt threatened by the growing movement of Jesus' followers. They singled out Stephen, and they stirred up a mob against him, and they killed him. Luke tells us that this was just the start. After Stephen was killed, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. From thriving to surviving, just like that. From together to scattered across the countryside. In a much less significant way, I sort of understand how that feels. Now, I took some time this week to reflect back on the year that was 2020. And, and you know, around here, it started off pretty great. 
In January and February, we were experiencing a bit of a boom here at Fort City. Our Sunday attendance was increasing week over week, which is always fun. Kid City was bursting at the seams. We had more people involved in midweek groups than ever before. We had more people serving on teams than ever before. People were giving generously, and people were taking next steps in their faith. It felt good, and we had hit our stride. Then, in March, overnight things changed. Suddenly, we weren't able to meet together anymore, and the momentum shifted. The way we had always done church wasn't going to work anymore, and we were scattered. And here again this Sunday, we find ourselves scattered. In Acts 8, one of those people who found themselves scattered was a guy named Philip. And Luke tells us that in the shakeup, Philip found himself in a place called Samaria, a place that historically was pretty hostile towards people like Philip. In fact, there was a deep history of racism and hatred on both sides. Yet, in these hostile conditions, Philip chose to continue telling people about the life-altering story of Jesus. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, he preached the good news that they could know their creator. And because of his work, Luke tells us, joy overflowed in Samaria. It's amazing. God still works in Samaria. When the odds are stacked against you, God still works. When you're tired and frustrated and lost, God still works. When you feel alone and scattered and in a hostile territory, God still works. For the month of December, we told you to look up in the Christmas story, to look up and see the angels declaring the birth of Jesus, to look up and see the promise of the star lighting your way to him, to look up and see the God of heaven come down to us. And now, because of that story, You just have to look out because he is God with us. He is close to you. He is with you in your home. He is with you at the doctor's office. He is with you when you're hurting and he's with you when you feel alone. Look out. He's right there. You know, I think us Christians have a tendency to gloss over big problems with pithy sayings that aren't really helpful. And we say things like, when God closes a door, he opens a window, which is true sometimes, but sometimes God closes the door and he boards up the windows too, right? Or we tell people who have suffered a loss, God works in mysterious ways. And I mean, it's technically true, but it's not really helpful, is it? And sometimes we use scripture in the same way. The one that bugs me most is the way I see people use 1 John 4.18. John said this, he said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now when someone is feeling afraid or they're feeling anxious, we'll post this verse on Facebook to encourage them. Or we'll tell them to go read it in their Bible and maybe magically they will start to feel better. But when we do that, We are missing the whole point of the verse. John isn't saying, read these words and fear will disappear. He isn't saying, knowledge makes it happen. 
These words aren't meant to be words of comfort. They're meant to be words of empowerment for you to be that love that drives out fear in someone else, to show up for them, to be there for them, not just to share terse words of wisdom, but to be the expression of the love of God in their life. When we say God is with us, yes, we mean it in a mysterious spiritual sense, but we also mean it in a much more practical and clear way. God has chosen us, those who follow Jesus, the church, to be the primary way he reveals himself to the world, to be the way we can see and know and understand that God is with us. When Jesus said, where two or more or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And I believe he meant it, not just that he is with us through the Holy Spirit, but because when we as Jesus' followers gather together, we are actually the expression of God to each other. When we love one another, God is present. Philip found himself scattered from his church, from his home in a hostile place, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. And because he loved, the people of Samaria saw that God was with them. Now, being part of a church, being involved, serving with other Jesus followers, committing to the next steps of faith, these are the ways that we can see the face of God. Here's some steps you can take that might just help you see that God is with us. You can decide to make including Fort City a part of your Sunday routine, attending online and when things settle down, coming here in person. You can worship and pray with us, and if you have kids, have them join the Kids City Zoom group that happens after our morning service at 11.15. But equally as important as being part of the Sunday experience, maybe even more important, is deciding to be part of one of our midweek groups. One hour on Sunday is great, but there are 167 other hours of the week where you are able to connect in a meaningful way. It's in these groups where meaningful relationships are built, where change can happen, where we can see the face of God in the face of those who follow Him. This morning, I'm going to give you four midweek options that I want you to seriously consider becoming a part of. Each week we have two women's groups, one meeting on Wednesday led by Jane and one meeting on Thursday led by Adrian. If you are looking to connect with other women, working out their faith, faith these, are the place, uh, these are the places for you. There are no prerequisites. You don't have to have it all together or know a whole bunch to join one. Just show up, figure out stuff together. And later this month, Shauna is starting a group centered around parenting that will meet on Mondays. And this past year, with all the increased face time with my kids, I have become aware of just how important it is to work at being a good parent. A parent that helps coach my kids into becoming whole adults who take faith seriously. Uh, Next week, Doug will be announcing a weekly study centered around prayer. And at Fort City, we believe prayer is powerful. And I think this group has a huge potential to help you live out an empowered faith. And the last one 
is Starting Point. It's an eight-week class that focuses on why we believe what we believe here at Fort City. And it's a great place to have honest conversations about faith, including things like doubts and reservations. And if you're new to faith, or you don't really know what you believe, or you had faith once and you're thinking about starting again, this is the place for you. The class starts January 13th, and I'll be leading that. Uh, I'll be leading that group. Like Philip, we are a bit scattered right now. But we're lucky that we can still have the ability to host these small groups and be reminded that we are not alone. Things started to turn around for Philip in Samaria. In the end of Acts 8, uh, of Acts chapter 8, Luke tells us about one of my most favorite stories in the Bible. I know I say that a lot, but this is one of my most favorite. Philip is traveling down a desert road when he comes upon an Ethiopian eunuch, a, a man from a distant land trying to understand the mysteries of God. And Philip overhears the man reading a particularly confusing section of the Old Testament, an ancient prophecy of a coming Messiah. And the man had no idea that that prophecy that he was reading was recently fulfilled by Jesus. But Philip knew. And so Philip explains to him that the Messiah was a man named Jesus, that Jesus had recently given his life and in doing so, made a way for all mankind to know God. The Ethiopian man was overcome, and he looked at Philip, and and he asked this powerful question. Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? What can stand in the way? What is stopping me from this? What is there to prevent me from taking this next step And the answer is nothing. And so Philip and the man walked down into the ditch where some water had collected, and he was baptized there in the name of Jesus. This morning, I want you to ask yourself a question. What is preventing you from taking that next step? What is preventing you from deciding to follow Jesus? What is preventing you from getting involved and serving others? And what is stopping you from joining a group and growing your faith? And the way I see it, there's nothing preventing you. This moment can be the moment. This day can be the day. This year can be the year where everything changed for you. Don't let doubt or comfort, or shame stop you? What can stand in the way? Nothing. Let me pray for you. Jesus, this morning we come to you and we are so very thankful. We are so very thankful that you have given us the church and that you have empowered the church with your Holy Spirit to be the expression of your love and your grace to all mankind. And thank you that through each other we can experience the love of our Creator. And Jesus, today I pray for those who are uh, watching online today, and I just ask that even wherever they are at, that you would be close to them, that they would be reminded that God is with them, 
and that Jesus, your Holy Spirit, would nudge them, would push them, would remind them that there is nothing in the way of them preventing them, stopping them from taking that next step of faith. Jesus, I thank you for each one, and I pray a blessing over them and their families, and I ask you to reveal yourself to them in new and exciting ways. Holy Spirit, lead their lives. I pray this in your holiest of names. Communion is another one of the ways that God reminds us that he is with us. We eat and drink and remember his sacrifice. You there, me here, and yet somehow mysteriously together through the blood and the body of Jesus. Now, now the band is going to come and lead us in a song that's kind of a bit of a prayer. And I want you to take a moment to thank Jesus for what he has done. And when you are ready, at some point during this next song, take communion wherever you are with whoever you are with. Let's remember, let's join together in this moment. Let's do it together.